Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of What the Chell Pod, your friendly neighborhood non-misogynistic hockey podcast. I am your hostess. My name is Haley, and I just checked my Instagram to see what episode number I was on. I wanted to make sure I said the right thing, and I realized I put the wrong episode number in my last episode post. Um, I'm such a professional, so... If you want all of the professional graphics, please follow me on Instagram at whatthechellpod. Um, it says 32, but it should have said 36. So it's been a week, you guys. I've been sick. I was out of work for two days. Um, I'm feeling a lot better now. So you know what? We made it through. Made it through another week. Made it through another week of hockey. Another week of injuries. Especially on the Ducks. Um... Yeah, let's just jump into it. We have quite a bit to talk about this week. Um, I did. I do hope that you liked my interview last week with Emma Dowsett. She was so sweet and so much fun to talk to, and she had some really great things to say, um, especially when it comes to chasing your dreams and going after your goals, and I think she is a great testament to that, and she really is going after her dreams as hard as she can. And I think that's so, so inspiring. So make sure to give that a listen if you haven't. Last week's episode, When in Calgary, featuring Emma Dowsett. This week, we're going to jump into a handful of things, um, starting with this just in. Um, Literally saw it as I was writing my notes today for this episode. Um, Apparently, Corey Perry is going to be signing with the Oilers, which is interesting. I honestly... Wasn't sure if we were going to see him return to the game after the way that he went out and after everything that's kind of gone on with him this season. Um, So I'm happy that he feels that he's in a place where he can be back. Um, And I'll be interested to see how that plays out. And also some big news that happened just yesterday, Saturday. Uh, The Islanders fired head coach Lane Lambert and replaced him with Nicholas Waugh, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Waugh is feisty. He is a fired up, passionate, feisty boy. And it seems like the Isles fan base is really, really excited about it. Follow a couple of um, Islanders fans on Twitter and and they seem pretty stoked. So I hope it works out well for them play-wise, but... um, It'll be fun to get to see um, all of these very passionate coaches facing each other in the Metro, um, like Torts and LaViolette and uh, now Wah kind of going head to head repeatedly. I think those will be really, really fun games. Um, so yeah, hoping that works out really well for the Isles. I kind of feel like maybe it was time for a little change. They've kind of just had the same core, same coaching, same system for a really long time. So maybe that'll bring in a a much needed freshness and newness to the aisles and we'll see how that plays out. Okay, last week I briefly mentioned the results of the Women's World Juniors, um, but I wanted to go into a little more detail about it. Uh, The bronze medal game was between Canada and Finland And Canada absolutely dominated. They took home the bronze medal with a score of 8-1. to Um, Finland actually didn't score until the final few minutes of the third period. When they finally scored, they were obviously so excited and so relieved that they were not going to get shut out. I imagine that was a really great feeling. 
Um, Canada's Chloe Primorano set records with two goals and an assist in that game. And she totaled 16 points throughout the tournament and was named the tournament MVP. So big congrats to Chloe and to Team Canada as well. The gold medal game was between the USA and Czechia. Team USA defeated their opponents 5-1, to one, another pretty dominating win. Um, and Cassidy Carmichael scored twice in the third period to really seal the deal. The U.S. has an all-time record of nine gold medals and has medaled at every single women's juniors since the tournament began in 2008. So there are some really, really bright young talents coming out of the U.S. and a handful of them play in the PWHL now and have played for our Olympic teams. And so these ladies that um, played in this year's tournament are the ones that we're going to start seeing on the roster in the future here in the next couple of years. So really, really cool. And they were really exciting games. It was a lot of um, domination from one team. A lot of the games were, it was a lot of one team completely destroying the other team. So I almost feel like they weren't super evenly matched, but you know, there was a lot of scoring, a lot of offense. So it was a lot of fun to watch the highlights. Um, I didn't get to catch the games live, but I did watch a handful of the highlights. And obviously Team USA was living it up, absolutely stoked. And they did the same kind of um, chant that the men's team did, the military style chant. Um, and people in the comments were not it. The The comment section on that video was not the vibe. Uh, the amount of men, I checked all their profiles just out of curiosity, morbid curiosity, I guess. Uh, the amount of boys and men that were uh, putting these women down and saying that they're not as good as the men, they weren't chanting as well, it was sad to see, um, they'll never be like the men, etc, etc, etc. It was just, I was rolling my eyes and I was just so frustrated because I was like, these ladies just took home the gold medal in a worldwide competition, um, scored, you know, had players that scored multiple goals in these games, swept a handful of the games by a lot, you know, dominated their opponents, but you're putting them down because their victory chant isn't as quote, good as the men's. And it just, it made me frustrated and it made me sad because it just goes to show that we still have a long way to go for female athletes and women in sports to be respected the same as men. And there's definitely been some incredible improvements, but yeah, there's, there's still a long way to go. Um, and I think it needs to start at that young level. It needs to start with the younger leagues and start with kids in the younger age groups as well, because a lot of the comments were from younger boys, you know, looked like middle high school boys. Um, and if we don't start it there, they're going to grow up to be men that are misogynistic and that don't respect women in sports and that don't respect their talents and appreciate how athletic they are and the skill that they bring to their field. Um, yeah little bit of a soapbox rambliness going on there, but yeah, it just like, it kind of made me sad, but I just wanted to say a big congrats to 
Team USA, Czechia, and Canada for getting that gold, silver, and bronze. And um, we'll have to see what happens at the next Women's World Juniors. They're really exciting. And if you guys can catch them at all next time around, you definitely should. I know we get really excited about the Men's World Juniors, but let's have just that same energy and same excitement for the women as well. Okay, moving on to the NHL. Uh, The all-star roster and captains have been named, made official after the fan vote results are in. We will see these guys on the ice in Toronto. I'm going to just name them in order. Frank Vitrano, Clayton Keller, David Pasternak, Jeremy Swayman, Rasmus Dahlin, Elias Lindholm, Sebastian Ajo, Connor Bedard, Alexander Georgiev, Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Boone Jenner, Jake Ottinger, Alex Dabrinkit, Leon Dreisleidel, Connor McDavid, Sergei Bobrovsky, Sam Reinhart, Cam Talbot, Kirill Kaprizov, Nick Suzuki, Philip Forsberg, Jack Hughes, Matthew Barzell, Igor Shosturkin, Brady Kachuk, Travis Konechny, Sidney Crosby, Tomasz Hurdle, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Robert Thomas, Nikita Kucherov, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Morgan Riley, Brock Besser, Thatcher Demko, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Jack Eichel, Tom Wilson, and Connor Hellebuck. Whew. (laughs) Sorry. I know that was a lot. I just want to address the fact that there are five Vancouver Canucks going to the All-Star game. Like, okay, listen. I have a soft spot in my heart for the Canucks for whatever reason. Like, I genuinely don't know. I just started watching them recently, and I just really like them. But, like, do we really need five of them going to the All-Star game? Like... I feel like this whole Twitter fan vote thing that they did this year maybe didn't work as well as it should have because there are teams that have bigger and more active fan bases on social media, Um, especially teams that have players that young people really like that have those um, big playmakers or high energy players or honestly the players that people find attractive. They're going to have bigger followings and they're going to have um, more people on Twitter that are interacting with them and posting about them and therefore that are voting for them. So a team like the Canucks that has that, you know, big player like Quinn Hughes or Brock Besser um, or, you know, whoever else is going to get more votes. And I think that's how we ended up with five Canucks in the All-Star Game roster. And I just feel like maybe I like the, okay, so I like the idea of the fan vote. I really like the idea of having the fans get to decide who they actually want to see. Now, you could argue that it's rigged or this, that, the other, which it may be. Who knows with the NHL, honestly. Um, But I think a good way to do that would be to let the fans vote in the original 32 players. Um, Like, let each each team's fan base vote in who their fan favorite is so that they have that representation rather than the league picking the original 32 and then having a handful of the other ones being chosen by fans. I feel like it would kind of eliminate that bias and that, um, you know, ability to really just like sway the vote because your social media admin really hypes up your fans and gets them really active in it. Some teams are better at that than others. And I just feel like it wasn't quite an even slate. So maybe they'll try something different again next year. Who knows? I feel like every year it's something new with the All-Star game. So we'll see how that goes. But 
I mean, congrats to the Canucks. Really, like, swept that vote. Really took it. Um, and obviously, I, I'm not saying this to, like, put down the Canucks or put down the players. The, the players that are going, Brock Besser, Thatcher Demko, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, and Elias Pettersson, they're all incredible, incredible players. Um, and I think it's, it's well-deserved. Um, and same thing with the, um, the Maple Leafs, for example. We have Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, and Morgan Riley. All well-deserved to go to the All-Star game. But I don't think we need four and five players from some teams and just one from another. I feel like it should be more evenly spread. That's just my opinion. Um, so the teams have not been announced yet. It will be decided by a draft, which takes place on February 1st, but the team captains have been announced, and each team has a captaincy team of a player or players and a Canadian celebrity. So we have Team Matthews, which is Austin Matthews and Justin Bieber. (laughs) Team McDavid, who's Connor McDavid and Will Arnett. Team McKinnon, who is Nathan McKinnon and Tate McRae, so Nate and Tate, the Nader tots. (laughs) And Team Hughes, who is Jack and Quinn Hughes and Michael Buble. Um, I feel like Luke must feel very left out there. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm a little confused by this celebrity thing that's going on. I think it's kind of cool and I think it's a way to draw in some viewership that may not normally watch the All-Star game if they have a chance to see these celebrities that they like, especially the Tate McRae Edition, with her being such a big thing among the younger generations, among Gen Alpha and Gen Z, I think that's a great way to pull in that younger audience. Um, but I think, I think what they're going to do is they're going to be the ones or like part of the team that's drafting the players to their teams. Um, but honestly, I kind of want to see the four of them behind the bench yelling at their teams. Like, I really want to see like Michael Bublé getting really fired up behind the bench and like yelling at Tom Wilson or something. I don't know. Like, I think that would be kind of iconic. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting and kind of random pairing to me. But yeah, so we'll find out how that all works out here in a couple of weeks. Um, I also think it's uh, really great that Justin Bieber is going to be there along with um, David Pasternak because I really want Pasta to take a picture with Justin Bieber and post it on Instagram with the caption, not today, Justin. Um, If you know, you know, I think it would be so funny. Um, And it would also be great for Pasta to take a picture with Tom Wilson and say, in my opinion, Tom Wilson is the best goal scorer in the league. These are all hockey Twitter things. And if you guys aren't on hockey Twitter, you need to get on hockey Twitter. It's a lot of fun. Like, it's genuinely a fun place. Can it be extremely toxic and gross sometimes? Yes. As can any place on the internet. But for the most part, hockey Twitter is a lot of fun. You can follow me on hockey Twitter at HeyLauren underscore, which is also in my What the Chell bio. <laughs> um... Okay, so continuing with the All-Star Game, the skills competitions have changed up a little bit this year. Um, We'll have fastest skater, hardest shot, and accuracy shooting as always. But we'll also get to see a passing challenge, one-timers, stick handling, one-on-one, and an obstacle course, which sounds like a lot of fun. So hopefully it'll be a better All-Star Game than last year. Um, 
We'll see. I saw a tweet that was like, the NHL All-Star Game is kind of like jury duty for hockey. (laughs) And I kind of feel that. I always feel bad for the players that don't get to go on these really nice, fabulous vacations with their families or friends. Um, But I don't know. Hopefully they'll make it worth it and it'll be more fun to watch this year because last year's was brutal. So we'll see. Anyway. um, Okay, moving on from All-Star. Um, as a Ducks fan, I have to talk about the groundbreaking trade between the Ducks and the Flyers. The Flyers traded young forward Cutter Gauthier for defenseman Jamie Drysdale and a 2025 second round pick. And obviously I'm a little late to the game here. Um, it happened after I recorded an episode, but then when I already had an interview episode scheduled, so this is not breaking news. You all know about this already, but I do just want to talk about it a little bit. Um... I'm sad about it. Like, I genuinely am. I feel like Jamie has had such a rough go of things, and he never really got the chance to get started in Anaheim, and it seems like just as he actually was getting started, they sent him away. Um, Between the injury, um, torn labrum that left him out for nearly a whole season, and then another injury this season that left him out for a few weeks, and then the trade, like, it feels like we never really got to see his true potential. Um, it does seem like he was very well loved by his teammates, uh, quite a handful of them, you know, posted sweet messages and videos and pictures on their Instagram stories. And, um, it was very clear that he was loved by the Ducks fan base. Seems like he's such a genuine and kind person. And the few games that he was actually able to play really showcased his talent and potential. Um, like he was an early draft pick. I think he was picked like sixth or seventh overall. Um, and it, that shows like when he's actually able to be on the ice, like he is a really talented defenseman. Um, now that being said, I do think Philly has been really good to him so far. Um, John Tortorella seemed absolutely stoked about the trade from the start and, um, kind of glad to be rid of Gautier. Um, he said something like, I don't know him from a hole in the wall. I just want to talk about Jamie, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Pretty much just kind of trashing Cutter Gautier and hyping up Jamie Drysdale. Um, And the Philly community and fan base also really seems to love him, which makes my heart very happy. I think it's a good fit for him for now. Um, And he's done fairly well so far. He's added some depth to Philly's defense and he's been on the first uh, D pair with Travis Sanheim, and it seems like the two have already started developing some good chemistry. He's also notched a couple of assists in his few games with the Flyers. They were on an undefeated streak in the Drysdale era, but that unfortunately ended last night. Um, And I'm I'm following the Flyers now. I'm not ashamed of it. They're a fun team. I've really enjoyed watching and listening to the Flyers and following their social media. Their social media admin loves Jamie Drysdale. Lord have mercy. That boy is on like every post ever. It's so great to see. It's so funny. Like I just love that they've just wholeheartedly embraced him. And I hope that he does really, really well and that it ends up being a good fit for him. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he ended up elsewhere at the trade deadline. But I mean, we'll see if he continues living up to his potential and showing his skill. 
um, for, you know, the next couple months here, maybe he'll end up staying, but yeah, I just, I hope it's good for him. I think it will be, um, and I think it has been so far. Um, okay, let's talk about Cutter Gautier, whose name isn't actually Cutter. Did you guys know that? His name is William, I think, but his middle name is Cutter, and he goes by Cutter, which is kind of a scary name. Like, I wouldn't want to cross somebody whose name is Cutter, but I digress. He'll go well with the butcher. The butcher and Cutter. And killer. Oh my gosh, the ducks are scary sounding team. Holy cow. Anyway, <laughs> um, despite being sad to lose a favorite, I do think that this does have the potential to be a good trade for Anaheim. Um, obviously, we won't really know until March or April when Gautier joins the team after his college season has ended. He currently plays with Boston College and played on Team USA in the World Juniors. In his last 10 games, he's tallied 6 goals and 12 assists, which is very impressive and honestly what the Ducks really need. It's no secret that they've been lacking in scoring lately, especially with the amount of injuries they've been suffering. So a young, healthy, and consistent scorer would be so helpful on the Ducks and will just further contribute to the rebuild and the young core that Pat Rubik seems to be trying to build. Um, you know, with players like Leo Carlson, Pablo Minchikov, Jackson Lacombe, um, and, and now Cutter Gauthier, and then our slightly older young guys like Mason McTavish and Trevor Zegris. I think the future's really bright. Um, I do want to address the whole controversy with Cutter Gauthier saying that he did not want to sign with Philadelphia. I can honestly truly see why Flyers fans were pissed at hearing this, because I would be too. Like, for someone, especially this young guy that you know nothing about, that your team drafted, to come in and say, I'm not going to sign with your team. Like, that's basically like saying, your team sucks and I don't want any part of it. Which, I'm not here for the entitled attitude. Like, I feel like you should not be able to just say, no, I'm not going to sign with the team that drafted me. This team wants me, they want me to come make a difference on their team, and they want to help me live out my dreams of being a professional athlete, but I don't want them. I'm too good for them. It really does not sit right with me. Um, just because you're decent in college and you won gold in the World Juniors doesn't mean you're all that. Like, do you honestly think Connor Bedard wanted to play in Chicago? Like, we know that he doesn't like it there. He said it himself. I talked about it a couple episodes ago. But he went there anyway, and he's made the best of it. I mean, despite his injury, not being able to play right now, he's still out there skating in a fishbowl, which is insane. Like, that kid needs to learn the definition of rest, I think. But I digress. Like, Connor Bedard is still getting to live his dream of playing in the NHL and showing off his talent and being the star player that he is, and doing it all with a smile. I, like, Cutter Gauthier is talented. He really is. And I think he'll be a good asset to the Ducks. But what we've seen of his attitude so far, I can 100% see him and Pat Verbeek butting heads a lot. Pat Verbeek does not like attitude. He does not like pestiness. He does not like feistiness. And... I think it's going to be similar to the way that things have been with Trevor Zegras. If you guys don't know, like, Pat Verbeek and Trevor Zegras, I don't think they like each other very much. They've kind of butted heads from the beginning. There have been some really questionable decisions made 
by Verbeek surrounding Zegris, especially with the whole contract debacle this summer, um, it's clear to me that he doesn't like him that much. And I think it's because Trevor is pesty and feisty and, you know, has a little bit of an attitude. And I don't think that that's going to work out very well for Gautier. I'm not sure if Pat Verbeek is potentially going to regret this trade. Um, I mean, obviously, we can't know. Time will tell. We need to see Cutter Gautier playing with the team. But it also might be a big wake-up call and reality check for Cutter. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't like that attitude, and I can see why Philly fans are upset about it. Um, But that being said, and this shouldn't need to be said, but sending death threats to anyone, especially a literal child, like, this kid is, like, 18 or 19. Like, legally, he's an adult, but, like, he's a child. He's in college. Like, that's never, ever okay. And I feel so bad for Cutter having to deal with all of that. Um, I'm honestly worried for his first game back against the Flyers, which won't be till next season, thank the Lord. Um, because Philly fans are brutal. Like, if you know anything about sports, you know that Philadelphia sports culture is intense. Like, they are loyal. They are aggressive. They climb light posts. They throw snowballs filled with rocks at people. Like, they don't hold back. Um, like, police officers have to gear up and be out in droves after a big loss or a big win in Philadelphia sports. Like, it's honestly kind of scary. <laughs> and Cutter Gautier going back to Philadelphia and playing after he said he doesn't want to sign with the Flyers, I'd be scared. I think I would be sick that game. I'd fake an ankle injury or something, pretend I have a tummy ache, because... <laughs> I think there's going to be some booing. I think it's not going to be a very welcoming environment for Cutter Gautier. Um, yeah. So all that being said, I think it's a good trade, despite being sad about it. And I think it's going to work out well for both teams. Um, but obviously we can't tell how it'll work out with Anaheim until March or April, but we'll see. So I'm hopeful. I really am. I think... Cutter will be a good fit. So, time will tell. Alright, I'm going to give you guys a quick little PWHL update. Toronto has taken the first PWHL shootout victory against Montreal, which was scored by Laurieann Rougeau. Minnesota is still in the lead for the league with 12 points, followed by Montreal, Boston, New York, Ottawa, and Toronto. The teams have somewhere between 18 and 21 games left for the season. And I, into looking into this, like, I was genuinely so impressed by how easy the PWHL website makes it to find information about each game and player stats and team stats and standings. Like, they've really done a good job of making it accessible, unlike other women's leagues have been in the past. Um, I remember researching last season, trying to find stuff about the PWHPA and their secret Dream Gap tour. And it was like impossible to find 
game times or schedules or standings. Like, it was just really inaccessible, and I think that kind of contributed to its downfall. But the PWHL is doing a fantastic job. Their website is so easy to navigate, so clear, um, and then their social media is doing an amazing job as well, and once again, having the games on YouTube, like, incredible. They're really, really trying to make sure that this league succeeds and thrives, and I think it's fantastic. Okay, moving on to my woman of the week. My woman of the week is Devin Doxtater. She is a member of the Oneida Nation of the Thames and plays para-ice hockey for the Niagara Thunderblades, who are part of the Ontario Sled Hockey Association. She was on the Canadian women's para-ice hockey team during the 2019-2020 season. Um, she is part of the Women's Para-Hockey of Canada program, which is a program that focuses on improving the health and well-being of women with disabilities by creating opportunities for para-hockey from grassroots to up to elite levels across Canada. They work to promote inclusion, teamwork, self-esteem, and women's empowerment. Devin is also an elementary school teacher who focuses on Indigenous education. Um, big shout out to Hockey Indigenous on Twitter, at HKY Indigenous. They brought her to my attention this week, and they're really good at um, shouting out players that are members of um, Canadian Indigenous communities, and they're a really great um, account to follow. So go give Hockey Indigenous a follow on Twitter to see more of that. Moving right along to hockey history, this episode comes out on January 23rd, which is a day that saw two big trades happen. The first one came in 2000 when Rod Brindamore was traded to the Carolina Hurricanes, which began his long and still ongoing relationship with the hockey club. Goaltender Jean-Marc Pelletier was also part of this trade, and the Flyers received Keith Primo. Clearly, that was a really good trade for the Hurricanes um, because Brindmore had a great career with them and now he's in his fifth season coaching um, and it's worked out very well. In 2004, the New York Rangers received Yarmir Jaeger from the Washington Capitals for forward Anson Carter. Jaeger tallied 319 points in 277 games with the Rangers, so another really successful trade. Okay, moving right along to our last segment of the pod, three stars of the week. My number three star is David Pasternak, who did iconic pasta things this week. He notched seven points, four of them being goals. He also scored his 16th career hat trick, earning him the second most in Bruins franchise history. And he had three straight multi-point games versus St. Louis, New Jersey, and Colorado. So he had himself a week and... It's no surprise that he is on that roster for the All-Star Game. My number two star is Scott Lawton, who championed the Flyers Pride Night this year, as he has for a handful of years in the past. He said, quote, anytime you get to do a night like this, it's really special. The arena had special lights, displays, and themed drinks available throughout the night. Scott Lawton's Pride Initiative, along with the team's community ticket program, hosted LGBTQ plus guests and various members and organizations within the queer community were recognized and celebrated throughout the night. Flyers Charities hosted an auction of signed pride-themed items. 
And of course, Gritty had to be the most chaotic and descended from the ceiling in a rainbow skirt, which was just classic Gritty. Um, the Flyers won 3-2 to two over the Canadians on Pride Night. So seems like Scott Lawton did a great job um, kind of leading this Pride Night initiative. And it seems like it was really well received by the community and really well done. And finishing off my number one star... Jonathan Huberdeau of the Calgary Flames has been hosting various charity groups at each Flames home game through his Hoobies Hangout Initiative. It's a really cute name. He purchased a suite at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome and allows various groups, especially those that work with underprivileged and disadvantaged children, to attend games and have fun and hang out. He's hosted charities such as Kids Cancer Care, Center for Newcomers, Kidsport, Immigrant Services, and the Alberta Children's Hospital. He has also focused some charitable efforts on his hometown of Laval, Quebec, and raised over $570,000 for mental health programs in that area. So absolutely fantastic initiative and um, charity from Jonathan Huberto. I think that's really, really great. Okay, my friends, that about wraps up this week's episode of What the Chell. I hope you enjoyed it. It was just a lot of rambling on my end. We are hopefully going to have a fun interview next week, so stay tuned for that. Please follow me everywhere at What the Chell Pod on social media and subscribe to What the Chell on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Leave me a rating and a review. It helps out, gets my name out there, and helps boost me in the algorithm. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. I'll talk at you next time. I love you so much. Bye.